0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Tonight, we're going to begin the, begin the first section of chapter 32, Loving Your Fellow as Yourself, the Haftal Ariyacha kamocha. Tonight, there are two special items. First of all, it is the secular New Year. And one New Year, the Rabbi came in to secretate and said, Happy New Year. And his secretate were quite surprised. And he responded, and I wanted to share with you the verse... The verse in chapter 87 of Tehillim, Pasuk Vav, the sixth sentence says, HaShem Yispor B'Chesov Amim. Literally translated means HaShem Yispor. What does is, what is Yispor mean? Sefirah. Will count. HaShem Yispor. HaShem will count. B'Chesov K'sav. In the writing of Amim, of the nations so the literal translation of the verse although there's the, the commentators there explain it otherwise but the literal translation of the verse says Hashem Yispar God also counts according to the accounting of the of the nations so the fact that they celebrate tomorrow as a new year does have some significance within the world as a
1: whole
0: mm-hmm. so, yes please oh,
2: um, I learned the other day that um, I said, uh, Jesus is Jewish, or is, was, is in some ways. So, if he was born on, believed to be born on December 25th, and eight days later, tomorrow, January 1st would be eight days later, his breast. Right. So, so, it's the anniversary of his breast, and I've heard about baby New Year, I don't know if they mean him, or someone else, or whatever, but I just wanted, thought I... Thank you
0: for sharing that. that. You know, the second item is that tonight is the yard site of Rabbi Zaman of Liadi the author of the Tanya Has Alatevis, is his yard site. And with that I want to share two comments that I learned tonight. Number one is, his Chasidim, his followers had a quote. The quote was, <coughs> this little piece of bread that I have is diner in Yiddish. Is diner v minor? Is yours like it is mine?" and they would say, it's yours before mine. The little piece of bread that I have is yours like it is mine. They, would, they said this in a time of famine. In other words, they were actually practicing this idea and living this idea of being able to give of oneself to another. Um, in 1812, there was a famous war between the Russians and Napoleon. And Napoleon wanted to go ahead and create you know, a a country where everyone could live as they wanted. And in a physical way, the the safety of the Jewish people to be able to practice would have been much easier. The Russians, however, we know, they oppressed religion. Um, And there was a very big argument even amongst the Hasidic leaders, the Hasidic leaders against the non-Hasidic leaders, which army should win? Should do we want the Russians to win, or do we want Napoleon to win? Are any of you familiar with this? Dr. Mal, have you heard about this? This is you, you could read about this. This was a big, big controversy. Now why would the why would we want Napoleon not to win? We would want Napoleon not to win according those that wanted Napoleon to win over the Russians, we understand, they felt it would be the best thing for the Jews. But those that wanted the Russians to win, they felt that Napoleon's mindset was that there is, we're all able to do whatever we want. There's no, no one's going to boss us around. And as a Jew, we recognize that there is a hierarchy. There is a God who's telling us what to do. And if Napoleon is going to win, and he's going to basically remove all of these limitations, it's actually going to greatly affect in a negative way the Jewish people. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Today, in America, we don't have anyone that's threatening us for our lives if we're going to practice as a Jewish people. And unfortunately yet, the assimilation... And we're losing Jewish people at a tremendous, tremendous rate. So we see this idea in practice right now, that freedom has unfortunately also allowed the Jewish people to to disperse and lose their identity. Now we're going back almost 300 years ago, 1812, I apologize, 200 years ago. at that time, again, the, a lot of the rabbis felt that that, w- that would have happened in an even greater way if Napoleon would have won. Rabbi Schneir Zalman, the Alt Rebbe, was so strong that he said he doesn't want for one minute to be under the rulership of Napoleon. And therefore, he actually, as Napoleon was heading into the town of Liyazna, where he lived, he quickly took his family and they fled, um, they ran away. This was before Rosh Hashanah. And tonight. He was near a town and he passed away in the city of Piena. Um, may his soul be a blessing for all of us. May we all be blessed on this special day. Now let's throw ourselves into the Tanya. Yes, please.
3: So do you think that this conversation about Jews assimilating yeah. has been happening for 6,000 years? Or do you think that it has... Um, It has accelerated since the Holocaust where people want to be assimilated, where they want to be less Jewish in case it happens again, on a subconscious level, maybe not consciously. Two different questions.
0: Well, let me just start off. The idea of freedom bringing um, lack of devotion to God, (laughs) or allowing, or basically using reverse psychology. Let's look at a story of Billah. Balaam wanted to curse the Jewish people. He wasn't successful. Balak, the person who hired him, was furious. But Balaam said, you know what? I can't curse the Jewish people, but there's one thing I can do. I can get them to sin. And he was successful. He was unfortunately tremendously successful in getting the Jewish people to sin, and a tremendous plague happened. We learned, And that's where the whole story of Pinchas came. Pinchas stopped the plague... So the idea of, of, of not coming from trying to hurt somebody, but rather trying to entice somebody, we already see this, you know, this, the way Bilaam worked and unfortunately made us suffer. Um, so do we see this idea that freedom can bring assimilation Um, throughout the history of the Jewish people, perhaps, if you ever read the Prophets, you read Nevi'im, you'll see that there was a very terrible trend that happened over 300 years where the Jewish people would serve idols and then God would get upset and he would then send a prophet and they would stop serving idols and then the prophet would pass away. It was, it was a vicious cycle that went on and that went on for almost about 300 years. Um, so is it a new thing? Perhaps not. Is it a new thing that the Jewish people are blessed to truly be living in a, in a place where they could feel secure openly to practice their Judaism? That is a quite, quite new for the Jewish people. We had it in the times of Solomon. Um... And since then, we haven't, to to my understanding. I'm not a big historian. Did that answer the question at all? Yeah,
3: I'm. I'm. I'm the second part of the question was, <clears throat> and as you were talking, I was thinking about has it accelerated in the last, you know, 75 years yeah. um, since World War Two as a result of people wanting to be less Jewish because uh, they don't want to be, they, they don't, although it didn't matter to Hitler how little, if you were Jewish or not, but the reality is that has has the assimilation accelerated?
0: Could I ask you a favor? Yeah. Could you get back to us next week? Yeah. And tell us. I'd love to know. I don't know that. That's well, an interesting question. I'm going
3: to come back next week.
0: There you go. I'm, I'm trying to get you to
3: come
1: back. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I can tell you that my parents did not join any temples or do anything Jewish because there was a lot of fear. Huh. Great. And so I did not grow up I grew up Jewish, but I did not grow up Jewish in a Jewish community. And only recently am I joining Jewish community. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it was because of the fear of the Holocaust, because we lost so much of our family. Mm-hmm. My dad lost so much of our family. Well thank family you.
3: That, in the I'll go do some work.
0: Thank you, and thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I lost a lot of my relatives. More than half of the family was, of uh, my mm-hmm. dad's family, didn't make it to this country.
2: Well, mm-hmm. maybe it makes you it lose affiliation, but you don't lose
1: being Jewish. No, he, they didn't lose necessarily being Jewish, but they did not practice mm-hmm. in Let the me, same way.
0: Let me just share. And but this I want to go into time. You're Talking about loss of Jewish people. Currently, we only know about one sixth of the Jewish people. There's ten lost tribes. This is not a hoax. This is a reality.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There are ten tribes that have mixed within the Jew- within the world, and we don't know where they are today. Mm-hmm. When Mashiach is going to come? If there's 2 million people today, to how many, if there's 3 million Jewish people today, then we're going to increase that
4: mm-hmm.
0: by uh, almost 6 times when mashiach comes. So, the idea of, <laughs> of, of having Jewish people and losing touch with them is unfortunately something that's not new to us, um, which is another fascinating c- class. That's how... How could there be so many millions of people that are Jewish mm-hmm. today and just yes, we've lost them? Mm-hmm. Yes?
1: Just, this is totally off track and, and on track at the same time, but what do you what do you think about the genetic testing that you're doing in, in, in stuff, you know, bringing together family trees and everything?
0: That's for another time. Because there's differences between how we, that's for another time. It's a big subject yeah it is so a very thank big you for bringing subject. it up so we previously said in chapter 31 starting chapter 26 through chapter 31 that you could have two people wrestling you could have the weakest and the strongest person but if the strongest person at the moment of the wrestle match is down and depressed and ha- and, and is not in the fight he's going to lose
1: mm-hmm.
0: we are constantly fighting but you've heard you've heard of the example. Life is like an escalator moving up. If you don't, if you stop walking, it's gonna, mm-hmm. it's going I apologize. Life is like an escalator moving down. You know, if you stop going up, it will take you down. They say where they say life is like a, is like a riding on a bike without brakes uphill. You know, mm-hmm. either you keep on going. We have with thinness as we learned in chapter one through nine. Through eight, we have within us two souls. We have a godly soul, an animalistic soul, and they're constantly fighting. And if we are not going to be awake, we may lose that fight. What does awake mean? And we said in our context, we need to be happy. We must always be happy. How could you always be happy? We asked, and that's what we learned in chapter 31. We're so lucky that God has given us this godly soul. That godly soul is a part of him. And just imagine, imagine if a king put his if a king's son was in prison. Not only was a king's son in prison, he was in the lowest prison, and he was grinding the the wheat in the prison. And you went ahead and took him out of that prison. And after you took him out of the prison, you found out that while the king's son was in prison, his task was to be an example for the other prisoners, to inspire the other prisoners. Let's say you are that son. Let's say you're the son, you're now in prison. And you find out there's a method of you getting out of prison. And in addition, that every moment you're there, your father wants you to be an example to everyone else there. That is who we are our soul is a son of God. We're we're a part, we are a piece of God. God put us here. He put us here to make the world a better place. So every moment that we go ahead and do something positive, we are actually releasing our godly soul from this negative prison. How lucky we are to be able to do that. Let's focus on our soul. If we focus on our body, unfortunately, first of all, we may have done inappropriate things. And we may have got caught up in things we shouldn't have. Put that aside. Recognize that, as we learned in chapter 31, the happiness of the soul should be greater than the energy of the body. Don't let the body withhold the happiness of the soul. That's chapter 31. So chapter 32 comes and says, if you focus on your soul, if you're able to appreciate your soul, now it's going to come easy, love of another Jew. We, we know one of the 613 mitzvot is to love a fellow Jew. Two questions. Number one is, maybe you hate the guy. <laughs> I'm not talking to Mark. Mark loves everybody. But Yeshua, was there what ever...
3: I shared with somebody who I don't like the other guys?
0: And why... So, it, it can be that we don't like people. So how could you, how could you, demand, how could we, you demand that you love somebody? You know, even if someone, God forbid, went to a person with a gun and said, love this person, the person may do what you want, but he's still not loving that person. Mm-hmm. That's question number one. Damon, the question's clear? No.
1: You can love somebody but not like them at the same time.
2: You can love them in
0: the, gun, too, the so gun's No, good. forget about that. <laughs>
1: okay. How, but ahead
0: how ahead. could I demand that you love sure. everyone? Sure. I could demand you treat them with respect.
3: Mm-hmm. Can't demand... This Jew stole from me.
0: Yeah. How could you love him, you're asking? Exactly. Great question.
3: I, I have another question. I'll
0: yes. Let <laughs> um,
4: let's say you have somebody who is not Jewish, but has led a very upright life. Yeah. Okay. And then he has somebody who was born Jewish, yeah. but is leading a very dastardly life. Yeah, you know. So, is it um, is is there a feeling that you you should love the, the Jew more than this other guy because he happens to be born Jewish, uh, <coughs> even though he's led a terrible life, and the other guy he's not a very good life? That's my question.
0: So firstly, well, let me repeat the question. The question is, the question is, if someone has truly sinned, should you love them more than a righteous non-Jew? Yeah. Was that the question? That's the question. Okay. Thank you for the question. So I, I believe we're going to answer all these questions throughout the chapter. I'm not going to answer them now. We're going to wait to its place. Yes?
1: My thing is, what is the definition of love? And it comes down to the definition, and not everybody's definition of love is the same thing, which I have discovered. And so, my definition of love is to love somebody is to want to selflessly want what's best for that person. And under that definition, if somebody's doing crime or bad things, I can love them because I want what's best for them which is to become a better person. So that fits inside my definition of love. But that is not necessarily everybody's definition of love and I think that's very important.
0: Well, I appreciate that and I want to, I want to just look in the words of the Torah. Maybe we'll give us a little clarity. The Torah says the ahafta. L'rayachah, you shall love your fellow, and the Torah adds a a word, kamocha, like yourself. The Torah is saying you shall love somebody else, and it adds a little bit of a definition. Love someone like you love yourself, meaning the same way that you are always going to be able to find love for yourself, even if someone unfortunately did something bad, when we do it, we understand why it happened. We understand where it came from. We may even think that we're, we did the correct thing. Via hafta like you love yourself and how, it, how you're able to see the positive in everything, we should be able to have that same love for, for another.
1: So the, I gotta, because if you don't love yourself, then you, you know, you love somebody like you love yourself, but you don't love yourself, and so you don't love the other person. That goes against, you know, because I do know people who don't love themselves. And then how can they turn around and love somebody else like they love themselves, which they don't love?
0: And I appreciate you saying that. Via haftal Kamoha, kamocha, loving your fellow as yourself, you also need to love yourself. The Torah also expects you to be kind to yourself. That is, that is an important point, thank you. So these two questions, let me repeat the two questions that we have currently in Tanya. Although there were good questions raised, I believe were answered, but at this moment, we have two questions. Question number one is, how can I command you to love everyone? And second of all is, how can I tell you to love people like yourself? You naturally have an inborn self-love. How can you really command someone else to have that self? You you can't have a self-love for somebody else. Because of this, most of the commentators explain that the command is not to love as a feeling. The command is to treat them as if you loved them. In the words of the commentators, in in the words of the Rambam, the Rambam says, it is a mitzvah, For every person to love every individual of Israel as he loves his own self, as it is written, love your fellow as yourself. And he defines, what does this mean? Hence, one must speak favorably of another, be considerate of his possessions, as he is concerned for his own possessions, and is zealous of his own honor. That means the Rambam is telling us that the mitzvah to love your fellow as yourself is not that you actually need to create a feeling. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's not possible. The Rambam is saying you need to treat them as with the, same, mm-hmm. with the same items you're going to do because you love mm-hmm. yourself, you should do for them. So act lovingly. Act lovingly. And many commentators agree. But Tanya is now going to share with us how we can actually love one another and we can actually love one another with the same love we have for ourselves. It's a noble task. Mm-hmm. We're going to see if we can do it. I want to remind you of two points. Point number one is, this is chapter 32, which is the numerical value of? Oh, of life, of heart. Lamed, the gematria of Lamed is 30. Every letter we know in Hebrew has a numerical value. Aleph is 1, Yud is 10, Chaf mm-hmm. is 20, Lamed is now 30, and Bez is 2, 32. So chapter 32, meaning the heart of Tanya, is going to be to love your fellow as yourself. You ready? Here we go. Let's let's let's, let's throw ourselves in. Chapter thirty-two, page one hundred and forty-six. We're going to start from the beginning. We actually have a custom to learn this chapter by heart. I've uh, all
3: of us. By next week.
0: I'm going to encourage you. Your homework is I. I I will tell you I am blessed that my kids my, my kids five and under know most of this already by heart in a song. <coughs> we, we try and uh, we want to make sure. This is something we, we want to make sure that our, that our...
1: Take care of the heart. We're Let's able to love one another.
0: We could learn the song. We could learn yeah, the song, correct. That's it's not that long. <laughs> That's, you're right. You're right. Yeah,
3: okay. No, no. Sweet, look at it. Look at
0: sweet. Yeah, it's only it's only one.
3: <laughs>
0: Acting on the suggestion mentioned above, to view one's body with scorn and contempt, and finding joy only in the joy of the soul alone. If we're, this is a beautiful summary of chapter thirty-one. Chapter thirty-one said that you should find joy in the joy of the soul, and view your body with scorn and contempt. With this. It is, is a direct and easy way to attain the fulfillment of the commandment of the to L'Reiach kamocha. You shall love your fellow as yourself. Now, continues Tanya, before we're going to tell you how, I want to tell you something Tanya says. This is not telling you you shall love your parents. It's not telling you you shall love your friends. Toward every soul of Israel... Both great and small, whether it's sadik, whether a Russia Doctor Malov, even if it's if it's a wicked person, Mark, where Tanya is clearly stating the command includes all of them. So first we need to know how. Good question, but the Torah tells us we need to love every Jew, regardless of their stature, who they are, wicked or righteous. How can we do this? For whereas one despises and loses one body, one's body You see, if we all love each other Based on something physical Are we familiar? There's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. You're familiar the Mishnah says Love that is dependent on something called Ahava Shitluya Love that is dependent on something. The the Talmud, the Mishnah, gives an example of the story of Amnon and Tamar. Amnon and Tamar are both children of King David. And um, Tamar was beautiful and Amnon, her half-brother, Forced her into a relationship. It was a very tragic story. That was a that's a story of love based on physical things. And that's not real love. Real love, says the Mishnah, is love that is not based on anything physical. And that is the example is given of David and Yonatan. Yonatan, the son of King Sha'ul. They loved each other truly deeply they appreciated each other. The moment that our love is dependent on something physical, so you're loving that physical thing, you don't love the person. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, (laughs) if that physical item goes away, then it's it's time to not be married anymore.
4: Mm
0: -hmm. We have to be able to love one another getting past our physical bodies for it to be a real love. And that's what we're learning here. For whereas one despises and loses one body, we're putting our body on the side. While as for the soul and spirit, nefesh and ruach, how many parts are there to the soul? There's five parts. There's nefesh, ruach, neshama, chay and yechida. And as we've learned previously, two of those parts are in heaven, three of them are in your soul the soul and spirit, who can know their greatness and excellence and their root and source in the living God and Elohim Chaim? Once we move past our body, if we're having a contest of who looks the best, so you know what, there's there's some sort of measurement we could try and measure by. And (laughs) some people will look different than others. But the moment we're saying that we're not Allowing our, our body to be the main thing. We're allowing our soul. Well, I don't know, can any of you tell me whose soul is greater? There's no way. We actually learn, we learn that great souls can come into, into children of lowly parents. We don't, there's no way for us around this table to know
4: whose soul is greater. All well, for all, our souls are from Hashem. Mm-hmm. Ah, that raises ah. problem. So
0: now I wanted to st- to catch you for a second, because actually we're gonna we're gonna go in we're gonna go in this at level level by level. Mm-hmm. There is a division within our souls. How do I know? I want to refer you back to one. Of, I'm gonna test your memory now. To one of the first classes we had. If you could all turn to. Page X X I V, and the compiler is forward, even before the Tanya. There you go. You found it, X X I V.
4: So twenty-four.
0: Um, right after this. Yeah, I'm getting there. Oh, yeah, right I'm here. Distribute.
4: No, I'm X, X, V. Yeah,
0: but I, it, this is where we are. I don't know why you have an older version of Tanya. So, Dr. Right. Malov, and in your Tanya, it's going to be on page X, V, triple I. I
2: have approbation of English. Is that correct or no?
4: Compilers forward is what it oh, is That Compilers right? forward. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You could go
0: to XXI. Yeah, yeah it would be yeah. Roman numeral. It's different. It's different depending on the version. Compiler forward, first page of the compilers forward. So now, what I'd like your help with is looking at the right-hand column. Last paragraph. Do you see where it says, even in the case of the, of the laws, last paragraph on the right-hand even column. Is, yes, yes. E, a further dif- difficulty is the complexity of Torah interpretation. So we learn... Even in the case of the laws, I'm just going to read for a moment. And I'll, even in the case of the laws, governing things prohibited and permitted. We know the Talmud tells us, there's arguments. Is this water permissible? Or, I don't know, let's say, Damon, you say it's for sure prohibited. And Yeshua, you say the water is for sure permissible. Whatever. There's, there's real arguments, and the Talmud is full of arguments, which have been revealed to us and to our children. We find and witness differences of opinion among Tanoim and amuraim from one extreme to the other. We find in the Talmud extremities. One rabbi says that this animal is for sure kosher. The other one says, I don't even know what you were talking about. Maybe you forgot to go to cheder that day. It's for sure prohibited. And are they wrong? Is one right, one wrong? No. Yet these as well as these are the words of the living God. This is a famous quote we have. Va- elu va'eludivar alikim Chaim. They're both right. You're familiar, you're familiar with the famous story of two people that come to the rabbi and they complain. The rabbi says, "You're both right." Here, yeah, they're literally. We're learning. You could have two opinions the, so in I the Talmud. and Shammai. That's exactly fantastic. Hillel and Shammai. The famous. Yet these, as well as these, are the words of the Living God. And this is what I wanted to point out. The plural we say in the. English we don't you can't really see it. But in Hebrew the word is Elohim. Elohim is plural. plural. If you wanted to say God in the singular, you would say Eloka. Hmm. A yud and a Mem at the end of a word, make it plural, <coughs> feminine and masculine. So how many gods are there? There's one God. And yet we say Elohim. Elohim means gods.
3: Plural.
0: Plural. That's a little bit of a problem here. So the plural, let's continue, is used, actually, if you look in footnote 12, you'll just see it says it clearly. Footnote 12, it says, Elokim Chayim, rather than Elokah it, it, it. The Pasuk should have said, these are the words of Elokah Chay, the living God. But it says Elokim Chaim, the living God in the plural. But there's only one God. So continues Tanya, the plural is used as a reference to the source of life for the souls of Israel, which are generally divided into three categories, right, left and center, namely kindness, might and so on. Okay? This is what I wanted to share. There are differences in souls. We have Beis Hillel, which was kind, Beis Shammai, which is strict, Elohim Hayim. Why do we say that there's the living gods in the plural? Because from the level of Elohim, there is differences within the souls. From the level of Elohim, there is differences within the souls. There are souls that are naturally kind. There are souls that are naturally stricter. That's not a bad thing. We're, we're all different but we still all come from the same God. Because Hashem is not
3: one-dimensional, in you, a sense. Yeah,
2: you know, I think yeah, we, the, we have, we're saying that God has, um, has more not more than one God, but more than one attribute of God, and we share attributes of Hashem, maybe <coughs> like we, have, we get our soul from Hashem. In so different have, like, proportions. Godly attributes, and there's very Godly so. attributes, on names. not know names. I think it's different names for him. Godly is more than one of him, but there's different attributes of him.
0: That's different names, but this is the only name that is, is used in the plural. Okay, the other word, The other names we know of, yudah, then a He, then a Vav, then a He, that's not a plural. Shin, then a Dala, then a yud is not a plural. This name is plural, which, yes, please.
2: So when we each got a little piece of the Shekinah yeah, God, yeah, we might have gotten a piece, one person is more, got the piece that was more kind, another person Absolutely. who a piece that was more patient.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And that is where we're starting off tonight. We're saying, let's go back now with this understanding that from the name Elohim, once the souls have come through the funnel, if we can say, of Elohim, there now is differences within the souls. Mm-hmm. Let's now turn back to page 146 mm-hmm. and let's read again from the fifth to last line of the left column. For whereas. Are we back here? For whereas, page 146, left hand column, bottom. For whereas, one despises and loathes one's body, if you could put your body aside, while as for the soul and spirit who can know their greatness, we don't know who's the greatness and excellence in their root and source in the living God. The Hebrew of the living God is Elohim Chaim here at this moment in time you were talking about the souls once they have come through the funnel of Elohim and there is differences within us Mm -hmm. nonetheless it's impossible for us to know who's greater than the other Mm -hmm. if someone loves naturally easier and the other one is is naturally more strict does that make him better? Yaakov let's go through our forefathers Avraham Avinu which trait did he excel in? (laughs) love Loved chesed. He loved what we know clearly he was the attribute of chesed. He was the attribute of chesed as we discussed last week. The the Talmud shears, the Zohar shears that chesed, kindness was mad when Avraham Avinu was created because it said, Avraham, you put me out of business. With your one physical act of kindness, you've completely overshadowed all of my greatness in the intellectual idea of kindness. Avraham was kindness. Yitzchak was what? Strangers. Yitzchak was Givura, was strictness, severity. Yitzchak dug wells. Yitzchak never left Israel. Yaakov Avinu was tiferes. Yaakov Avinu was that beauty. Yaakov Avinu was the first one of our forefathers who, all of his children, stayed steadfast in their belief in God. So there is, there are differences amongst all of us. However, at this level, even within the differences. It. how do we know who's greater than the other? We don't. Right. It's just different.
4: Well, Please. But can't you tell by, you know, you mentioned uh, earlier that you, know, you have thoughts and, and um, speech and, and actions. Yeah. So, if, if, if somebody <laughs> doesn't have good thoughts and doesn't have good speech and doesn't have good actions, Yeah. You, can you still make allowances for their soul? Or you could say, well, Maybe there's something in there. I mean, can't can't you use? Well, we may not know their thoughts. but We definitely would know their speeches and their actions. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I understand that he's trying to make allowances for for different people. But 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 if but if somebody we don't and we don't know their thoughts. So they could have the best thoughts in the world. We don't we don't know for sure. But but we but 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 we do have speech and actions, and, and, if, and if somebody uh, you know, fails on those two, um, still, can you still have a love for them?
0: Okay. Can you love somebody who is sinning? Can you love somebody who is sinning? Dr. Malov, it's, it's a great question. I will not fully, Tanya will not fully answer it until we conclude the chapter, but well, let me tell you this much that may give you an answer at this point. If someone is having inappropriate thoughts, does that mean that there is a flaw in his soul? Is that... Because that's kind of where we're heading. Your question is leaning to say that someone who has inappropriate thoughts, who speaks inappropriately, or who acts acts inappropriately, has a flaw in their soul. I
3: would think so, but... And how do we hold this soul accountable for, the, for its behavior? So you have two souls.
0: And that, well, I just want to stop there. That's an interesting observation, Dr. Malov. If the person is flawed, then Mark is saying it's not his fault. Is that what you're saying?
3: Well, yes. I'm saying if the soul is flawed, right. And that's my core, part of my core, Yeah. then I'm not responsible for my awful behavior.
0: That's a great. I mean, Dr. Mal, what do you think about that point? Uh,
3: but I, I love you, your <laughs>
4: <No>. <laughs> because I think you. Deserve, but the
2: soul can't be flawed. The soul is. No, but, but,
4: but say what you said again, because I didn't quite. I think you have to disconnect those two.
3: Uh, I, uh, yeah, I think so too. But if 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 your soul, if you, the soul you get is flawed, okay, it can't be. He just we it's just part, part of God.
0: Wait, I, right now, I'm following up from Dr. Malov's question. He is asking a great question, and I, and I, I think it's a, it's a good it's a good question.
3: So, if the soul is flawed, and the soul is part of me that I got, and I'm uh, evil, am I evil because my soul is flawed? And what can I do about it?
4: I don't think he can advocate responsibility. I don't think that's what he was saying.
1: He's talking about behavior. Well, he's the one who put his question (laughs) into saying it's a flawed soul. That was not part of his question. That came from him. Mm -hmm. So, we've been spun around here. Into a
0: whole Let me jump ahead. I, I wanted to really. I, I'm going to try and answer the question directly. In chapter 12 of Tanya, we learned that the two. The moment someone sins, their godly soul is not sinning. I think this is an important point that will. You have a godly soul and you have an animalistic soul. Mm. If you are thinking inappropriate thoughts, that is not reflective on your godly soul. It's reflective on your animalistic soul. Mm. The only reflection on your godly soul it is is that you're not, that there's not, you're not fighting strong enough to win this war. Mm. But if someone is sinning, that their godly soul is not sinning. Their animalistic soul is sinning. Mm. Okay. So it is not a reflection on their godly soul. Mm.
1: Okay. Mm. They're living in the lower house instead of the
4: upper
2: house. The golly, where did the animalistic soul come from? From God. Also? So it's our job to control that animalistic soul, just like it's our job not to despise the body per se, but
3: manage it or, or not so, be controlled by it. Is that
1: correct?
0: I'm going to get back to it in one second. Okay. I, I got the question. I got the question.
3: So what you're saying, the more in sync we are with our godly soul, the closer we are to being close to Hashem. Or have I just like connected? You're with our, closer and, to it. If 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 my animalistic part of me and my soul, my godly soul, are in alignment, yes, they're in sync. I.e., I'm not an evil person. I do the six hundred and thirteen mitzvot. Yeah, I go to minyan every day. Um, I do all the stuff that I'm supposed to do. I'm going to be my animalistic. Soul and my godly
0: soul are going to be in sync. Oh, and let me let me put the two together. Husband yeah. and wife, you guys are on track. This is good. The, uh, That's great. <laughs> <laughs> the our godly soul is pure God. Our animalistic soul is also pure God. But Hashem put bad in this. Hashem put evil in this world to be able to allow us to make to for two reasons. On a very technical level, there needed Hashem wanted to have free choice. Free choice needs good and bad. If we would only have a godly soul, then there would be no free choice. So Hashem put inside of us an animalistic soul. And, and Tanya actually previously in chapters between 20 and 25, there was great great detail discussing how the animalistic soul does not want you to sin. It's a part of God. But God is commanding the animalistic soul to try and make you sin, Hmm. to make your godly soul better.
4: Hmm.
0: So, yes, ultimately, Mark, to get back to your point, the goal is that both your animalistic and godly soul should be in sync together. They're not truly fighting. We can put them in one path together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Now, I... I, One of those is in my control. One of them isn't.
0: They're both in your control. It's not easy, but the godly soul naturally wants to do good. What naturally wants to do good? The animalistic soul naturally wants to pull you to, um, you know, to all the different pleasures that exist. But you have the ability to control the animalistic soul. Okay. God has given you the ability to control your animalistic soul, and each one of us, our, because we all have different. Mm. different struggles that we face and we can only we only have the ability to work with our animalistic soul so I want to continue a draw more in Tanya before we conclude within the level of Elohim Chaim even once our souls have been divided at that point I don't know which soul is greater but let's not go a, a drop higher so the level where God is our Father. When God is our Father, let's continue in Tanya, last line of the, le- of the left-hand column, being moreover, all of a kind, and all having one Father. In other words, once we go a step, a step higher, sorry, I, I just le- read the last line on the left column and now the top of the right column. Let's go a step higher and talk about the souls the way they are in their source within God before they've come down through that funnel of Elohim Chaim Over there, we are are all one There, There is no difference between us We all have the same Father We can't differentiate between us At that moment, we're all the same And therefore, all Israelites are called real brothers. We're literally brother and sister by virtue of the source of their souls in the one God. We're not called, you know, we say, oh, we're brothers. It's not just a Yofi-Umelitza. Oh, it's a nice verbiage. Oh, we're all brothers. No. But we literally are all one. And so to slightly answer the questions we've raised, we, even leaving with this small understanding, if your brother will we'll slowly get us on the path to, to, under, to a full understanding, but the understanding that we're going to leave with now is that every Jew is literally our brother and sister. Mm. And if your brother, even if your brother and sister did something bad, you would still find within your heart A certain, a love for them, a brotherly love. And at least that we can appreciate. So Mark, I'm I'm not going to be able to fully answer your question, but imagine that the story of this person who stole, let's say, someone stole money from you. Imagine it was your brother. It certainly would be, you certainly would react at least a little differently than if it wasn't your brother. Do you agree with that idea? Sure. That's at least where we're going to leave off tonight. Literally, truly, we're all brothers and sisters.
1: And
0: sisters. Hmm. Does, is that a fair? So let's summarize where we're holding, and and uh, yes, I, I hope hopefully we'll be able to uh, continue next week it's and really throw ourselves in. Could
1: feel like they were brothers and sisters and family.
0: <laughs> yeah, I Amen I mean to that. Even
1: all the juice.
0: So. Let's summarize where we're holding. The Torah says, <laughs> you need to love your fellow as yourself. How could you love somebody? How could I command you to love somebody else? And how can I tell you to love them as yourself? Well, we've left off now that, there is a, that we're all brothers and sisters. And there is a natural love that you have for your siblings and there is a natural love we have for one another. So the first answer, the first question is semi-answered. Our first question was, how can I command you to love somebody else? The answer is, there is within you a natural love for everyone. We need to find it. Mm. Are there any questions?
4: No, but a thing I'm going (laughs) to... I'm also thinking about while you talk about this is the relationship between consideration... For their bodies, i.e., the animal soul versus the godly soul, and order and chaos. That if what I'm looking for a parallel to is that if the focus is on the animal soul, that's a focus on chaos. And if there's a focus on the godly soul, then that's tending in a direction towards order and unity. It's an in interesting observation. And, and one, yeah, and oneness. I don't know. I just think that, that
0: focusing on our godly souls brings unity. Focusing on our animalistic souls brings chaos. In the words of uh, Kabbalah, Tohu, and Tikkun. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you.
1: What is, it, thank
2: you. Was, what is the Torah's, or does it have a take, I know there's, there's Jews that are doctors and, and they're around in the public times and things, what is our take on like someone who, um, what would would, would, do they call it, like if someone has, like now I need to call it a mental illness or a mental difficulty of some mm-hmm. sort. Where do, would it fall on that, like about the animal or, or, or soul or having trying to control of an animal or, oh, or, right. a, or a godly soul?
0: I'm not fully, I don't really understand the question. You're asking is someone that has a mental illness Still fighting their animalistic soul—is that the question? Um,
2: yeah, we can't control. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess that's part of my part of the question. It's one way of phrasing it. Okay. Do you want to say
0: it in other words? I'm I, Not sure
2: you how to phrase it either. Maybe, but let's use that question.
0: Let me just share this much. Sorry. That in the terminology, it used to be used. We used to say that children and adults used to be called. Mentally retarded. Retarded was. Am I correct? I mean, retarded used to be a very normal term.
1: Recently, it's more mentally challenged. Mm
0: -hmm. More mentally challenged, or now we we say that we have there's special and talented Mm -hmm. or gifted, Mm -hmm. gifted Mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. And this is not. If anyone needs to go, I know we passed the time. I Mm -hmm. I forgive you. But let me just share a story. There was a group of. Israeli soldiers mm-hmm. that had gotten wounded at war, and uh, one of the things the Israeli government does for them is it takes them, it takes them on trips. But
2: you're changing. You're saying this someone who's mentally no, no. I appreciate it. But Let me share the story. I think it may answer it. Absolutely. Okay. I think you. it may
0: answer it. And this group mm-hmm. went for a visit to the Rebbe. And the Rebbe mm-hmm. gave a talk. And at the time, they called this group of soldiers, uh, I think it was called like, the wounded, the wounded
1: mm-hmm.
0: of mm-hmm. Israel. And, and the Rebbe gave a s- discourse where he said,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that, and it wasn't talk, he said the truth is these are the elite. Mm-hmm. The fact that God could allow something like this to happen to them. These soldiers have something very special within them. And we're not going to call them the elite to make them feel good. We're going to call them the elite soldiers because the fact that God has allowed this to happen means that something very special is within them. To put in the words of the Torah, not of an Avihu when they were killed for entering into the Holy of Holies, Mm -hmm. they're called Bikrovaya Kodesh. God says, through them my name has been glorified. I remember when, unfortunately, tragically, Gabby Holzberg was murdered in Mumbai. Six months later, his father was in Australia at the time, his father came to talk, and he said a very powerful thing that stuck with me. He said, God takes the best. If, if God is gonna allow something to happen, which we can never understand, but it's also a reflection on the people. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about these children, these people that have, have mental illnesses, we learn that in their source, they're they are coming from extremely high sources. And many times the reason that perhaps they may not be able to interact with us on a way that we understand is because of where they're coming from. So I know I may have not, I may have not directly answered the question, but I, I wanted to share that point. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Wasn't the Rebbe
2: so careful in his use of language? Yes, and yes.
0: Like yeah. We learn from God. God, mm-hmm. in, uh, in Parsha Noah. God doesn't say to Noah, bring the, bring the pure and impure. He says, bring the pure animals and the animals that are not pure to the teva. Mm. He, yeah, we, yes. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a wonderful night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yes. Paul.